I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, is that IOL cracked? So the rationale for this study was based on a clinical observation. We saw that when we implant the ACR6D IOL on some of the cases, we saw something on the periphery. That looks like a scratch or break or crack of the IOL. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Kleinman declares non-CME fees from Rainer and contracted research from Rainer, Allergan, AMO, as well as travel expenses from Rainer and Allergan. You can now get Category 1 CME credit for listening to A Scene From Here. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the link marked CME. For right now, you'll need to print the quizzes out and mail them in. We hope to have electronic versions of the quiz available by the end of this year. Big news for iTunes users. You can now get As Seen From Here through iTunes. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the iTunes users link. Then click the subscribe button and you're done. There's no questioning the utility of IOL injectors. They allow us to insert lenses through very small wounds while avoiding contamination from the eyelashes. But birthing a lens through an injector's lumen puts stress both on the lens and on the injector. Can a lens crack under such stress? That's what some ophthalmologists using the ACR60SE IOL thought they were seeing when streaks started to appear on the IOLs they were injecting. This would have been an interesting enough story, only investigation showed that something else was going on. Guy Kleinman is author of the study examining this phenomenon and my guest today. Have there been reports of intraocular damage with injectors prior to this study? Yes, there are several reports. Intraocular lens is known to be damaged from injectors. Uh, not at the specific type that we shown, but cr- breaks, cracks, and other damage to IOL was reported during implantation with uh, cartridges or with uh, forceps. So there are several things that uh, people reported, marks, stretches, stress fractures, uh, tear lines, so people reported it. I think what's unique in our case that uh, what we found is something that mimic damage the IOL, and the IOL really uh, was not damaged. And this is what they're uh, interesting, I think, in our uh, report. Have the reports that preceded this study, ha- have they centered on specific lens models, or is this something that we're just generally seeing with injectors, regardless of whether they're uh, hydrophilic lenses, hydrophobic lenses, so- hydrophilic lenses? So our, our experience and the rationale for this study came from a clinical observation uh, regarding the ACR6D SEIOL, which was manufactured by Cornell. But we know that in the literature there are other reports on similar, similar IOLs. Most of the reports related to hydrophilic acrylic IOL, but from personal experience and, and personal communication with uh, several surgeons, I know that there are several experience or several uh, surgeons that have experience with hydrophobic acrylic IOL with such a, a 
phenomena. But our uh, study was based, and the rational for it, was based on a clinical observation. We saw that when we implant the ACR6D IOL on some of the cases, we saw something on the periphery. The lens was observed, of course, before the implantation and was found to be perfect. And then after the implantation, we saw something on the periphery, luckily, in the first cases. And that looks like a scratch or break or crack of the IOL. Can I have you first describe the ACR6D SE lens? It's, it's not a lens that I know. It's a European lens manufactured by a Corona friends. And this is a hydrophilic acrylic IOL with a 26% water contact. It is a biconvex without angulation. The refractive index of this IOL is 1.47. The overall diameter of this lens is 12 millimeter and the optic diameter is six millimeter. It's a lens that is very easy to handle and very easy to implant. Like most of the hydrophilic acrylic IOL, it's very easy to handle. It, it, it was a lens that was very, uh, it was popular in Europe, and the Rainer, the new Rainer IOL, the Ciflex, has uh, some characteristic that is similar to this IOL. Can I have you describe the injector and kind of walk me through what the process is of preparing this, this lens for insertion and then what the injector and the and the cartridge is is like with this lens. So the 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 cartridge is hexagonal. This is what unique uh, to our opinion in in this case. It's hexagonal cartridge. Um, that the lumen is is the, the lumen is, is hexagonal. The, the lumen and the outside. It's 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 hexagonal from the outside and, and the inside. The the loading of the IOL is like loading uh, every IOL that you load into injector. You just place some viscoelastic at the uh, injector, and at the, sorry, at the cartridge, and then you place the optic of the IOL inside, and then re, uh, reposition of the, uh, hap, of the optic, sorry. First of all, you put some viscoelastic, then you place the optic of the IOL inside the cartridge, and then the haptics, just adjust them to, to be, that they will be inside the, the cartridge. You close it, and, and it's, it's pretty similar to every to loading of every a, a lens into a cartridge. The issue that we think that is uh, unique here is the shape of the cartridge, and this is you know, jumping probably the, the conclusion or to the end, because what we felt that since the, or, or the reason, let's start with why, why to use hexagonal cartridge and not oval. So the reason for using hexagonal cartridge or the advantages is that it enable the lens to rotate while you implant it because of the shape of the cartridge. And this is something that uh, the company thought it would be uh, nicer and easy for the, for the surgeon that the lens will not rotate while the implantation. Uh, the disadvantages that we think that we demonstrated in this study is that there is probably less uh, a space or volume for the IOL inside the cartridge, and this causes uh, elevated stress uh, forces, increasing the friction between the IOL and the cartridge, and probably shaving the inner coat of the cartridge or exfoliation form of the inner coat of the cartridge on the external surface of the IOL optic. When this lens is inserted clinically, what are, what are the findings that ophthalmologists see that kind of prompted this study? What does it look like? 
the, the deposit on These the IOL. Deposits, yeah. yeah. It looks, yeah. It looks so, so in first glance, it looks exactly like a crack or scratch of the IOL. It's a linear line. Uh, when it's in the center, the problem started, and, and you don't know what to do because when it's in the, in the periphery of the IOL, it said, okay, it's, you know, we said to ourselves, it's not on the, on the visual axis, let's leave it there because we all know the risk of explaining of an IOL. It looks, again, exactly like a crack or a scratch, a linear line on the posterior surface of the optic of the IOL. Uh, and this line can be at the periphery, at the center. It always, we found it always on the posterior surface, and it's, uh, of course, we have a reason for it, but it's, it's similar to, to just a linear line or, or scratch. What did you do in this study to evaluate these lines. Okay, so just one step before the study, when it happened, as, as I mentioned, when it happened on the periphery, uh, we decided to leave it like this. It happened in one case at the center of the IOL. And then after careful evaluation during the operation, we felt that there is maybe not something else, that it's not a crack, that it's not a break. And with the forceps, we succeed to peel it from the IOL. And then it's, this gave us the rationale for the study. And in the study, what we did, first of all, in what we call sterile uh, circumstance or sterile environment, we took just the uh, two IOLs, uh, loaded it into the cartridge, and injected into petri dish. The second stage, we took three other IOLs. Again, we loaded it into the hexagonal cartridge, and we in planted into the evacuate capsular bag of cadaver eyes that prepared according to the Miyake apple posterior view. Uh, this was the first stage. We did it in, with the hexagonal cartridge. The second stage, we repeated the same steps with the round cartridge. And then we took all the eye wells and we examined them under the light microscope and with SCM. All the lenses that were implanted or injected through the hexagonal cartridge in, on, the, on the posterior surface of all these lenses, we found uh, what was proven now by light microscopy and by SEM to be deposit on the posterior surface. On all the IOL that were implanted through a round cartridge, found to be clean without any damage, any uh, deposit on the posterior surface of the IOL. The next step, we took the cartridge and examined them. And all the cartridge, that, uh, all the hexagonal cartridge, uh, we found to have a major break and stress lines that arising from this major break. Fractures in, in the cartridge? Yes, in all the cartridge, all the hexagonal cartridge, found to have a major break on, the, uh, on, the, uh, on, on one side of the cartridge. And from this major break, we saw several stress lines. All the round cartridge found perfect without any damage. So the first finding, or, or, or the major finding from, from the major conclusion from this, uh, was the relationship between the shape of the cartridge and the deposit. The second step was to see what is the source of this deposit. And, and, and actually, the, it's not a, you don't have to be genius because the only source for this deposit can be the inner surface of the cartridge. Presumably, the, the reason that the deposits were located only on the posterior surface 
of the implant is because that's the surface that's in contact Correct. with the with the wall of the of the of the cartridge. Correct. When we are folding the IOL uh, during the implantation process, the posterior surface becoming the outer surface, and the uh, the anterior surface is folded and it's inside, so it's protected. So this is a, another a convincing evidence that the reason is the shaving of the inner part of the cartridge. Now there are two other findings that they, that support our hypothesis. One is this is the shape of the cartridge. We found two shapes. One we called the corrugator, and the other one the box car pattern. And these two shapes, if you look at them, they seems that it's it's related to stress, to 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 shaving of particle from the inner portion of the uh, cartridge. And the other uh, things that support it is the break that we found in the cartridge. Again, showing that there was some extra stress there, breaking the cartridge and uh, this this result in a major break line and stress line that arise from this break line. When we send to SCM, we send not only the, the lens to SCM, but we send also the cartridge. We, sh we shown that there was enough viscoelastic. We couldn't show the defect because it's probably too small or we couldn't locate it. But we shown in the SCM that the cartridge was loaded with viscoelastic because we found remnant of viscoelastic inside the, the, uh, the cartridge. And this is be important because the other report uh, uh, on this topic made by Fessinger, he uh, related the deposit to the lack of viscoelastic. He implanted this IOL without viscoelastic. And he concluded that the reason for this deposit is that he didn't use viscoelastic. We used viscoelastic as recommended. We put the lens for two minutes in the cartridge before we implanted it. The implantation process was not long. It took less than 20 seconds as recommended. We made sure that the, that the plunger will not override the, the training uh, haptic of the IOL. So we did it in a controlled environment and we made sure that it would be according to all the direction uh, of the implantation. And still we found this uh, phenomena, this deposit on the posterior surface of the IOL. There have been some studies that have suggested or have postulated that the viscoelastic type mattered, uh, pointed towards, towards helon as, as potentially being a, a, a problematic agent. Correct. There, there, there is a study that, uh, by Singh and co-authors, and they tried to uh, uh, suggest that the material of the or the, the 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 specific viscoelastic is important, but this study or this suggestion, it was not a real study, uh, was contradicted by uh, Dick and quarters and by Olson, and we felt that the, the the type of the viscoelastic itself is not really relevant for it, uh, for the deposit. Guy, did you see these deposits on all of the lenses that, that you tested that went through the hexagonal cartridges? In our specific study, yes. In clinical life, not on all of them. But I have to you know, be very careful because I'm, I, I'm sure that if there, if there were small deposits on the periphery, maybe not in all circumstances we found it. Like you, have to, you have to pay attention for it. Usually, if you see a patient, you see 2020, 2015, 
everyone is happy, you check in, not all the time, let's admit it, we are checking the periphery of the IOL for some kind of deposit. So in clinical life, we didn't notice it in all the cases. Uh, in this specific study, it surprised us because we thought it will need to use much more lenses uh, to find this deposit, but in our specific study, and again, it surprised us, we found 100% deposits on the IOL that were injected through the hexagonal cartridge, uh, comparing to 0% of this deposit when we implant the same IOL in the same environment, in everything similar except for the shape of the cartridge, which was oval. And again, in clinical life, we didn't see it, but uh, I'm sure that we missed some of the cases since probably we, didn't, uh, we were not aware for it, and, and, and in cases that it was in the periphery, uh, we could miss it. Why do you think this cartridge is producing these deposits? Do you think that it is that it's the the design, the the uh, shape? Do you think that it's the coating that's inside of the cartridge that's coming out? Do you think that it's that with this hexagonal cartridge that the cartridge walls are are very very thin? I think it's a combination, but I think that the major or the leading cause is the shape of the cartridge. What we think or we believe is that there is a mismatch between the shape of the oval IOL, when we fold the IOL it's oval, to the hexagonal cartridge. When we implant this oval IOL to an oval cartridge, basically the IOL can take advantage of all the free volume that the cartridge uh, can offer. When we implant an oval IOL to hexagonal cartridge, all the corners of the cartridge are not being occupied by a lens because the lens is oval. Theoretically, this cause, uh, this compress the lens furthermore, elevate the stress, uh, uh, the stress forces inside the cartridge, elevate the friction uh, between the cartridge and the IOL, and this causes what we think shaving or exfoliation of the inner material of the, of the cartridge, which is, as you mentioned, a coating that's meant to make the implantation easier uh, and this coating probably is easily uh, or more easily, more easily uh, peeled or shaved from the cartridge since it's not the same material. So I think it's combination, but I think the leading cause for it uh, is the shape of the cartridge because, again, other cartridges are also coated and we didn't find this phenomena with a, a round or oval cartridge. But wasn't it this differential stress that's caused by a cartridge that does not conform perfectly to the, to the shape of the, the folded lens? Isn't that the element that intentionally keeps the uh, lens, lens oriented, that keeps it from rotating? Wasn't this what the, what the manufacturer correct, planned? Correct. The, the, the rationale for manufacturing an hexagonal cartridge is to keep the IOL in the same position that the surgeon uh, loaded, loaded it into the cartridge, and this uh, protected from rotation. Uh, but again, the price of protecting it from rotation uh, comparing to deposit on the IOL, we think that we can control the rotation of the IOL by rotating our uh, cartridge manually, and we can control it and I, we think that it's better than to have a cartridge that possibly uh, will damage the IOL, or not damage, but will make a deposit on the posterior surface of the IOL. So you're right. This is the rationale for the, for the shape of the cartridge. Now, what do you think this, this stuff is, Guy? There are two problems here. First of all, the company 
will not release the uh, material or the, the component or, or from what they are doing, the, comp the, the, the coating of the inner uh, part of the cartridge. This is a commercial secret. Uh, we sent this IOL to EDS, and, we, and, and this was not conclusive. So we can't, we didn't have any proof to, to the, when we did the, the EDS on the uh, deposit, we received the peaks that are similar to peaks of an IOL, of the IOL material. Again, since we do not know uh, what the inner coat of the deposit made from, we can't prove uh, that this is the material that deposited on the surface of the IOL. And the EDS was not conclusive. It, it showed the same peak as the peaks that we see for the IOL itself. You mentioned that if the deposits are present in the visual access, that, that it's possible to peel them off. Yes. What happens over time to uh, these deposits if, the, if, if, they're, if they're not peel, okay. peeled off, if they're, if they're left on at the, at the time of surgery? It's a very important question, and uh, I will answer it in two parts. First of all, the peeling. So we have few cases that we succeed when we were more aware for this phenomenon, we were, when, when, we, when we knew what it is, and when the deposit was uh, located in the center of the eye well, we succeed to peel with forceps the deposit. You can't suction it. We tried, first of all, to suction it or, or to irrigate it, so you can't. The only way that we succeed to, uh, peel, to peel it is by forceps. Now, we have another study that we did. We follow up the patient and that we left it in the periphery. And in this patient, the deposit in one ear follow-up stayed the same. They didn't move, they didn't change, and they, didn't, uh, they stayed the same. And this is, again, something that is not similar to the former report by Fassinger. His claim, or he reported that after a few weeks, the deposit disappeared. So this is another thing that's important. The deposit stayed... For, on one, on one year follow-up, the deposits stayed the same. They didn't move, they didn't change, they didn't disappear. They stayed with the same size and location. Now, why, why it's important? We peeled the ones that were in the center. But I'm aware of, at least for one case, that this kind of deposit uh, was left in the center of the eye where it was small, the surgeon didn't know what it is, he thought he didn't know what it is. He thought that to explain this lens will make more problem, and he didn't want to take the risk. And it looks small without any a, a reason a, to explain it. The patient, and I don't know if this is the reason or not, but the patient complained about uh, some optical phenomena, glare, and other issue. And one of the com and, a, a, a complaints that the patient had that she saw a, a line in, in a visual field, some, some kind of line. Mm -hmm. She went and seek an, a second opinion, and in this second opinion, the ophthalmologist that checked her, he uh, decided that she has a break in the lens, and this led to a, a, a and this ended at court. So I think it's, I don't, I don't know honestly what the influence of this deposit on the visual performance of the patients, because in our series, when it was on the center of the eye well, we always peeled it. But from this case, I don't know if this can uh, teach us that it causes uh, uh, some optical phenomena or some visual disturbances, but for sure we need the patient, we need the, the, the ophthalmologist, and we need the physician to be educated about it and not to mislead 
the patient and tell them, you know, the, the surgeon did something wrong. He broke your eye oil. You have a break in your eye oil. And this case, again, as I told you, ended in court. So I think the, the, it's, it's important to know this phenomenon and to understand that it's not related to the performance of the, pay of the surgeon in the operation. And more important than it, uh, we think that it's better not to use this hexagonal cartridge and to use just round cartridge or oval cartridges. That's what I was going to ask next. What is your recommendation for cataract surgeons? So our recommendation is to, uh, and, and, and according to this study, we feel that it's better to use round on oval cartridges on the hexagonal cartridges. Have the results of this study changed your own practice? Are there things that you do, do differently now? Uh, we, like always, uh, put in a lot of time and, and emphasis on loading the eye well correctly and following the uh, manufacturer uh, instruction, but we are using the oval uh, cartridges. When we started to use, for this specific eye well, the oval cartridges, we didn't saw any other case of this phenomenon. So when we, when we switched to the oval cartridges, the, the phenomena or this uh, deposit disappeared completely from our series. One thing that I want to, to mention, and, and I don't want to blame only this specific type of eye well. Like, I can't comment on, on the issue if this is specific for this eye oil and this cartridge. In this study, I, 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 we, we investigated specific cartridge and specific IOL, but we think that it's not a, a, a conclusive and it's not only uh, true for this IOL and for this uh, cartridge. We can't, we can't uh, prove it because we didn't check it in this study, but we think that it's more general phenomena than, than this specific type of IOL and cartridges. From things that we heard, because we are in the, we were, we are in the center of, you know, of, of a lot of information that, follow, that, that, that we are receiving, Again, it's nothing that, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing that evidence-based. Uh, it's, it's just complaining of physician calling us and telling us. And we heard the same problem with different eyewears and the same external cartridges. So it's nothing that's, yeah. again, scientific, but people heard about this project and called and companies and called and asked us draft of this uh, uh, paper before it was published to modify the cartridges. So... It's probably something more widespread than the specific cartridge and specific IOL. But it's something, again, that I can't prove and I can't, I can't bring you the reference yeah. and the name of the company, of course, it is confidential. Guy, thank you very much. You are most welcome. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Mayachuz. <laughs> Tada. <laughs> Guy Kleiman is adjunct clinical assistant professor of ophthalmology at the John A. Moran Eye Center of the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences of the University of Utah. His paper, Linear Deposits on the Surfaces of Intraocular Lenses Implanted Through a Hexagonal Cartridge, which mimic scratches slash cracks on the lenses, appears in the November 2005 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Last week, I podcast a one-minute video to subscribers of the podcast. Did you notice? As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, is about to make a great leap forward. As seen from here is supplementing the existing audio podcast with a video podcast. I have some great surgical programs lined up, and we'll start with bimanual laser phacolysis. 
Those of you lucky enough to have the new video iPods will find the clarity of the programs to be excellent. Those of you who don't can still watch the video programs on iTunes version 6 and above and on QuickTime, both of which are free downloads. I also invite you, you personally, to submit surgical video that you feel is illustrative of a particular surgical point. Let's share. As seen from here video, open your eyes. Ask questions of Dr. Kleinman or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.